Evolutionary.org presents Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast with your co-hosts, Steve from the American Underground and Mobster from the UK Iron Den. Get ready for the most hardcore and underground info in the industry. And here we go. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6... Evolutionary Hardcore Podcast, Turn Your Way, Episode 24. Today, we're gonna, our uh, series continues on up-and-coming pro bodybuilders at the highest level. Today, we're going to talk about Andrew Jack. And Andrew Jack is another extremely huge professional bodybuilder. This guy is really, really popular, though. Maybe one of the more popular up-and-coming bodybuilders. Probably the number one most popular up-and-coming bodybuilder that we have seen. He's Nigerian professional bodybuilder. He's built a very strong following. He's considered one of the top pro bodybuilder influencers due to his larger-than-life personality. His nickname is Jacked. His full name is I'm gonna try to I'm gonna try this one, Monster. You ready? Chanudu yeah. Andrew Obikiwa. Obikia. So did I do it good? Did I do it right? I think so. So, Mobster, you're on. Uh, we can't hear you over there. You're on mute. But I think I think I think I hate that. Yeah, I think right. so, Steve. Okay. Yeah, it sounds about right to me. And um, hopefully, Andrew, if you're listening, we did our best. Sorry. So yeah, sh- shoot me over a uh, a message, Andrew, if if we screw that one up. So well known in Nigeria, he's built an international following over the past year due to his quick ascent. Did very well last year in 2022, Arnold Classic UK and Mr. Olympia. And uh, guys like Jay Cutler, Milos, Sarsev, and they predicted a top three Mr. Olympia finish for Andrew over the next couple of years. So he's a big guy, uh, six foot two, 290 pounds, off-season weight, 315, 50-inch chest, 24-inch bicep, freaking huge, bigger than my fucking head, man. I think he's bigger than your head, mobster. 32 inch waist, in- absolutely incredible. Um, so he's a huge ass, he- he's a huge guy, mobster. And uh, in the last podcast, I thought he was a couple inches shorter than Samson, who we did. And but it turns out he's actually taller than Samson and he um is just as huge. And uh, so this is interesting that he's six foot two because we haven't seen a six foot two bodybuilders it's not very common to have that because some of the other guys like hottie and big rami they're much shorter so i think that's yeah. kind of fascinating that he's that tall i wonder if that would hurt him um in competition no, um, i'll tell you for, i'll tell you for why steve i've i've been to a few bodybuilding competitions and there's a great argument an analogy that's been well used for many many years and that is a good tall bodybuilder will be a good short bodybuilder why human nature your your judge you're sitting down there, one or two rows from the stage. You've got your, 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 your score sheet in front of you, and the athletes come out, and it is human nature to have your eye, if everything else is equal, drawn to the taller athlete. That's just the case. Now, it's harder for taller athletes to fill out their frame and have the muscle in all the right places because you just got that much more work to do. Andrew, however, has got it. And if he didn't have it before, he's definitely got it now, Steve. So when you see him, especially on stage or on the cover of a magazine, there are very few gaps in his physique. And that is 
fucking hard when you're as tall as he is with the frame that he's got and the frame that's necessary to win and kick ass and be noticed on stage. So here's the thing, guys. He was noticed when when I was seeing those videos of him training with Larry Wills, and you see him now. And if 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 as I say, all things being equal, if everybody's in the same kind of condition and there's no guarantee for that, and you're six six foot two, and you've got it going on, you're going to kick ass. And that's exactly why Andrew Jack is taking it to that level, and it's exactly why he's catching the eye of other ex professionals and thinking, you know what? We predict a bright, bright future for this guy. And when you've got Mr. Olympia, Jay Cutler, Milo Sarsif, Chris Cormier and others, commentators now going, do you know what? Wow. Just wow. Blown away. It's condition, the shape. And what makes it worse, Steve, is they all think he's going to improve some more. They think there's a little bit more to come. So, you know, we can only guess at what he's going to look like and how much ice he's going to kick if he takes it up another notch against Steve. Yeah, and I, I could see that happening for sure. I could see him definitely winning Mr. Olympia in the next couple of years, um, you know, which would be really, really shocking because the way he kind of came up out of seemingly nowhere. And even though he had a big following three, four years ago, he wasn't winning competitions at, at the clip yet. So let's talk about his early life first. Uh, born in Lagos, Nigeria in 1984. Well-educated. Nigeria does have a really good education system, um, and he studied engineering in college. He worked as both a military officer and an engineer, and then with when it comes to sports, he focused on CrossFit and kickboxing. So those were her, his sports of uh, choice. In 2017, he hooked up with Larry Wheels Williams, and he started to train with him, and this kind of gained him a large following, due to his impressive athleticism. Also, guys love Larry Wheel's personality, and and um, there's some videos of them training together, and they really have a good time. They goof around a lot, and and it's really fun to see, especially if you're, um, you know, watching it online. kind of makes it more fun to see that. Um, Andrew's also an extremely flexible mobster. He can do splits. Um, which shows you it's a huge advantage. And I talked about being flexible before. Um, a lot of you out there don't stretch. And you really should be stretching on a daily basis. Not only every, on a daily basis, but you should, should be stretching after every workout. And very, very few people do that. I see in the gym people work out and they leave. And then they go to work or they go home and have dinner, watch TV with their wife or whatever. But you really need to put in the time to stretch because flexibility is extremely important. It's not only going to help with your athleticism, but it's also going to prevent injuries, you know, being flexible and, and mo being mobile and flexible is extremely important. So that just shows you how committed he is to his craft. And obviously he's been stretching his whole life. You don't just become that flexible just after stretching a few months. I mean, he's put in years of stretching. So, Listen, your dog or cat, what is the first thing they do, mobster, when they wake up from, from sleeping? They stretch. You know, babies, they wake up from sleeping. They stretch. So, I mean, it's an instinctive thing to stretch. But we as adult humans, we're stupid. You know, we're too dumb to do this stuff. So it's very, very important to stretch, guys. It's not You're not a wuss if you do yoga and you do mobility exercises and you, you stretch after a workout. Okay. I don't know who started that. It was probably some guy who, you know, got, uh, you know, was jealous of other people or something. I have no clue, but,
But look, you have to be flexible. It will prevent injuries. I tore my shoulder because I wasn't mobile enough. You see, because when I was doing bench pressing, you got that range of motion. So when you limit your range of motion, it not only limits the amount of, of, of weight you can do, but it also will lead to uh, soft tissue injuries because your body will not be able to to move around and be flexible. It's just like a rubber band. You put the rubber band in the freezer, then you pull the rubber band and it snaps. Same thing. So it's very important to warm up before you work out and stretch after you work out. Follow what he's doing. He can also do backflips. So he's very, very athletic. Obviously, he's had a history of doing gymnastics. Maybe not even the, he didn't take a class on gymnastics, but he was just one of those kids at the playground who would just do flips, you know, off the monkey bars and stuff like that. Just very, very athletic guy um and guys who would do the swing sets um, i can remember as a kid i used to when i would do the the swing sets i would go really really high and then do a flip off the swing sets which was every time i would do it i'd get detention you know the principal would be watching us and, and point at me like you got detention so i'd always get in trouble for that because it's really really stupid and dangerous but my point is some people you know you start doing this at a young age it leads to very very success successful stuff so um very very important uh two aspects and i think that's going to help him uh his athleticism his raw athleticism his mobility his flexibility i think that's going to help him succeed more mobster i'll bring you in a second um one of the things about him he did decide to move full-time to dubai and in dubai is a bodybuilding hub in the middle east it's in the united arab emirates it's a very wealthy uh part of the world i think the average salary salary in Dubai is like 150,000 a year or something absurd like that. So it's a very wealthy place. A lot of businessmen uh, live there. A very a lot of successful bodybuilders have relocated there. Um, there's some really good gyms. And he trains at the famous, uh, I believe it's called the Ben Ben uh, Benos Gym is uh, how it's pronounced. Maybe you can correct me on that one, Mobs here. But it's Benius, on a point. Benius, I believe. Benius. Here's the thing, Steve. Yeah. So... Something, if guys, is we we actually did a podcast and it's just recently when we talked about the golden age of bodybuilding and we said that one of the things that was great then, and the reason why it might the seventies, mid seventies especially, might have been described as the golden age for bodybuilding was the simple fact that some of the top competitors in the world were all training in one gym. So here's Dubai. Dubai has two of arguably the best gyms in the world. Binius or Binus gym is one. And the other one is Oxygen Gym. So there's Andrew. He's, he's come to Dubai, maybe for work, for whatever, uh, and he's working out, and he's he's fortunately paid enough for whatever he was doing at that time. He's already doing the Instagram thing, and he goes to arguably one of the top 10 gyms in the world. Maybe not as hardcore, arguably, say, for example, perhaps Metroflex, or maybe not even as hardcore, perhaps as the old gold gym back in the day. But in terms of accessibility to equipment, I think oxygen gyms like free floor steam and they're all like rammed with equipment. Vinius is right up there, guys. You've just got to see the videos. They've got in-house massage, in-house, the, the hairdressers on the premises, everything. And then downstairs, you've got visiting athletes that are coming from all over the world. Vinius, especially true for Vinius, the visiting athletes. I've seen local athletes here feature in Vinius videos of top professional bodybuilders. People like Larry Wills. That was a former owner of a gym, K2 in Bridge End, training in one of the videos and putting Andrew and 
Larry through through a workout. So here's what happened, right? Number one, you're, you're arguably training in one of the best gyms in the world. Number two, you're training with an incredible strength athlete who's going to arguably, Steve, maybe do classic physique. Looking very, very good right now. A great arm wrestler. Massive, massive. For those of you that are into this social media stuff and influencing, massive, massive following, hundreds of millions of views on some of his uh, videos. And he asks you, because he sees the potential that you've got and the physique that you've got, and you're over there plugging away, putting the work in, and he's saying, hey, this guy is someone I should hook up with. He gets Andrew to take part, and Andrew starts to sort of take off. He, he had a, a smallish following, Steve, but it took off. But the reason it took off wasn't just because he was collaborating, doing a collab, as they say, with Larry Wills and feeding off of those followers. It's because, Steve, he's got a great physique and potential. So then what happens? He starts to build up this amazing physique and take it to the next level. Listeners, viewers, uh, followers on Instagram are going, is he competing? Why is he not competing? He should be competing. Look at that physique. He's, he's, I mean, you know, he's actually got more potential as a bodybuilder, arguably, than Larry. And Larry's got, you know, he's, he's, he's one of those guys that's a good bodybuilder, a good powerlifter, a good strength athlete, a good arm wrestler. But would Larry ever win the Mr. Olympia? No. Can Andrew win the Mr. Olympia? Maybe. Maybe. And we've seen him on stage at some good competition, Steve. We're going to talk about competition history as well, where he's come on gangbusters. He's, again, and we're doing these podcasts, Steve. He's one of a series of podcasts where we, do you know what? These athletes, and Andrew's one of those athletes that has a potential to do incredibly well. When you're recognised by your peers who've already won competitions, and they're going, if he just works with this coach, if he just tidies up his diet, he's done that. And he started to bring the game. He started to win competitions. He started to get noticed. But he already had that potential. He had the genetics. Larry saw it. Former Mr. Olympians are seeing it. Followers of the game are starting to see it. So, yeah, let's talk about uh, what he did in terms of his competition, Steve. But, yeah, training, arguably one of the hubs of bodybuilding right now helps. And with one fantastic athlete like Larry Wills helps. But let's talk about his competition history as well. So he just, just showed people the progress he's made. Yeah, so um, Andrew, you know, he's had a big social media following for 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 quite a while now, um, because of his you know crazy workouts and and the, and the influencers that he's collaborated with and all that good stuff. So one of his uh, followers goaded him into doing a competition, and um, he insisted he try it to get his pro card and let's see if you can do it. Let's see, prove yourself. You got the physique for it. Why don't you, you know, bust your ass and get on stage and, and try to do it? So he answered the call and he he just went in there in 2021 EBBF Ajman bodybuilding contest and boom, now he has his pro card. So Samir Benut, former Mr. Olympia champion, I believe 83, 1983, Lebanese, famous uh, bodybuilder of that era. Um, he was really impressed by his physique and Samir, he's, he's still alive and kicking to this day. And he loves to comment on the stuff. He's actually quite good when it comes to being commentator for uh, uh, bodybuilding of today and a uh, really, really positive guy. I like him a lot. He declared that he would one day be a Mr. Olympia champion. So he had a lot of confidence in what Andrew had to offer. So in 2022, he earned a Mr. Olympia qualification. He won the Texas Pro, not an easy contest at all. He also won the 2022 Arnold Classic UK, and he put everyone on notice after doing that. Uh, Nick, Nick's uh, strength and power 
who is a pretty big uh, fitness influencer, especially on the, the YouTubes. He did a video predicting he would have a strong showing at Mr. Olympia. So in 2022, he represented Nigeria and he won $20,000 by placing in eighth place ahead of William Bonac and Rafael Brandao from Brazil, um, who we thought would be an up and coming bodybuilder, uh, maybe like two, three years ago, mobster, but he's kind of fallen off. Um, 2023 Arnold Classic, he finished behind Samson Dada, who we just did a podcast on, and Nick Walker, but ahead of Big Rami, and he earned an impressive third place. So he's definitely proven that he can hang with the big boys. So we expect some really big things out of him going forward, and we think that he'll he'll place even higher in 2023 if he can stay healthy and if he can keep doing what he's been doing. Mobster? What are your yeah. thoughts on it? So, yeah, sorry. I'm actually, as I was just thinking exactly what you just said, Steve. Um, something that's interesting now, and especially when he started to get noticed and started to get those places, this is one of those things. It's really weird sometimes. This is kind of annoying. I actually think I'd do it, and I believe you've done this as well, right? When you see someone in the gym who takes their shit seriously and is putting the intensity in, or in, in, in his case, in Andrew's case, start the place, you offer help, you offer advice, because not only that, you see potential and you say, do you know what? I think this athlete, Andrew, is going to do incredibly well. He's just making a couple of small mistakes, or if he's not making those mistakes, I'm going to offer these couple of bits of advice that's giving them a little bit of insider information. So this happens sometimes. You'll see someone kicking ass in the gym, and you go over and say, just hold, hold the bar this way, or just squeeze a little bit more this way, and so on and so forth. And they, oh, yeah, oh, God, that's amazing, Steve. That's amazing, mobster. da 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 da, -da. This is what I think happened with Andrew. The moment he started the place, the moment he started to show potential, and the moment the rest of us, myself included, goes, do you know what? Wow, wow, that Texas Pro especially is when, in my mind, he started to bring it together. That's when some of the other top professionals, like Samir, like others, go, oh, let's see, let's hit him up on Instagram. Let's give him a DM. Let's email him. Let's hook up and give him some advice. It's just going to take his body to the next level. So training, and this is something I want to talk about now. I think what Andrew's been training, and again, I said with Larry for a while, but a lot of the videos then will have been for show. They've both got great physiques. They look amazing, but you're not trying to compete. You're not trying to fill out the gaps. What do you do? And again, I've described this in a previous video, when you become a professional or you want to become a professional, you are, hopefully you'll get someone else, but if you can do it yourself, it's even better. You need an analytical eye to look for the gaps in your physique. Uh, your, your lats could have a better insertion. Can you work your lower lats more to, to create the illusion? Can, can you separate the, the delt from the pec? Can we get that gap in there to, to separate out? Can we have more separation in your fires? Is there a way of contracting your fires while you do certain exercises? This is what Andrew's done with his training. And Steve's got an article that we're going to attach to this podcast. And references a couple of articles. The specific one was a shoulder article, which I'll let a uh, uh, shoulder routine that I'll let Steve talk about. So, what does Andrew do now that he wasn't doing before? He's filling those gaps in. He's getting advice, little snippets of information, talking to other top level professionals or ex top levels professionals and saying, you know, how can I do this? How can I do that? And, and picking their brains and finding out how to bring that show finishing, show winning polish. There are no gaps. For example, Steve, and it sounds like a silly thing here in the context, 
his pose is improved. He does this kind of leaning over thing with his double biceps that other athletes are not doing because it suits his physique. So he's adding, instead of just doing a straightforward front facing the crowd double bicep, he'll turn so that the, the hips are turned so that the waist looks smaller and then lean over slightly. Other athletes have done it. Andrew's doing it. It suits his physique. He's presenting himself better than he was before. So he was a good bodybuilder before who had potential that people could spot. And then he fills in those gaps and he learns to present what he does have better. And then it's things like getting better from show to show to show, learning how to diet more, learning how to bring those presentation things that better tan, uh, being ready ahead of time and so on and so forth. And he's getting those snippets of advice from some people and they're allowing him to improve from show to show to show, which is why he's catching those top athletes, top ex-professionals, top Olympias eyes. And that's why they're saying, this is why we think he's got this potential. And this is, hey, hey, Andrew, do this. Hey, Andrew, do that. Sometimes they're doing it on the podcast that Andrew's been sort of told to go and have a look at. And sometimes they're literally hooking up, sending him a DM, sending him an email, hitting them up on Messenger and saying, Andrew, try this, try this with your foot position, try this, make sure you do this, and so on and so forth, those things. Talk about this shoulder workout, Steve, because I know you've got this in the article, the intensity that was in that workout, working with another athlete. Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, he did a video with Carlos Thomas. You can actually watch it on on YouTube. And uh, if you just you can just YouTube shoulder workout Carlos Thomas and you'll see it come up. And uh, just the intensity of the workout, the sheer level of pain, in his face um and very very similar to the one we just did on samson mobster where these guys really they put their bodies and their minds through a lot of trauma during these workouts and that's what you got to do at that level especially if you're going to improve your body you have to go through pain you have to be uncomfortable and i talk a lot about this on our other podcast i did when it comes to nutrition it's very easy to get a craving for for ice cream or cake or cookies or anything like that and just go to your refrigerator open it up or go to your freezer open it up and and eat that it's very easy to do anybody can do that but it's you know what's what's even better having a craving for something and avoiding it that's that's impressive to me you know that is called being uncomfortable and that's what makes you stronger and we're gonna get into the nutrition aspect in a second because he knew he knows exactly what I'm talking about because he's lived it. Okay. And when it comes to training, it's the same thing. You don't see NFL athletes, mobster, going to training camp out of shape. It's not like it used to be back in the 60s and 70s, where guys had construction jobs during the offseason because they didn't get paid jack shit as football players. Now they're making plenty of money, even minimum. The minimum NFL athlete gets is close to a million right now. And it will be a million, you know, in the next couple of years, once they do the new contract with the, with the owners, but that's literally going to be your minimum is a million a year. So you're making enough. We're in the off season when you're not getting, getting paid during the off season, you can still afford to not have to have another job. So you're basically your job in the off season is to make your body and mind stronger. So you go into yeah. training camp, you're already in great shape, right? So Listen, you go into training camp and you still, even if you're in good shape, you're still uncomfortable in training camp. You still have to push your body. If you want to get faster, you got to push your body to get faster. If you want to get stronger, you got to push your body to get stronger. That's how we train our bodies. That's how Iron Men 
can literally go from sunrise to sunset, swimming, bicycling, running, nonstop, and and be able to accomplish that. It's just amazing what our bodies can be pushed to do when we push our body. So that's how you train your body for that. You don't train your body by sitting on the on the couch. You don't like I see most people in the gym. I won't even say sitting on the couch, monster. I say most people in the gym when you watch them train. It's it's a complete joke. They don't <laughs> put any. It's not. It's too comfortable. Like they'll go to the gym, and I've trained with people like this. They'll be doing a, a lift, and then they'll start. Oh, my my muscles burning, and then they'll stop, they'll, and then they'll look yeah. at me, and I'm like, I'm confused. I don't understand. What, 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 it's like, why are you that's even? That's the idea. You need. That's how you need to train. You got to be uncomfortable to make your body stronger. Your muscles aren't going to react and improve unless you get uncomfortable. But this guy takes it to another level. Andrew takes it to another level when he does his training to the point where the amount of pain that he's in yeah. is tremendous. And then you got to factor in the anabolic steroids causing these crippling pumps that he experiences. He doesn't give a shit. He just pushes through it. He's like, yeah. I'm going to ignore the pumps. And um, every breath you take brings down the level of pain just a little bit, just a little bit, but it's still a tremendous amount of pain. So you can put yourself through pain. My workouts are extremely intense. I did a Bikram yoga workout for 90 minutes. The heat index in that room was 160 degrees. Ooh. The temperature was 111 degrees and the humidity was 53%. So if you do those calculations, the heat index is 155 to 160. That was uncomfortable. But you know let, what? Let me give you, let me you give you got a secret. to make your body stronger. And that's what makes your body stronger. Not being a, a wuss. And getting up and leaving that room because oh I can't take it anymore I'm uncomfortable. No, no you got to do it. You got to yeah. push through it to make your body stronger. It's the same thing when I used to do endurance running. I would be running right, and I feel so uncomfortable on the verge of being nauseous. But you yeah. know what? I push through it. It's uncomfortable, but once you break that barrier, then that's when you start improving. So this is what Andrew has learned when it comes to his training and it's been a it's enabled him to take his training to a next level very, very quickly and go from just like a fitness influencer who's a recreational yeah. bodybuilder to one of the yeah. top bodybuilders in the world. And maybe exactly. over the next yeah. couple of years, the top bodybuilder in the world. Once yes. He gets that crap. Yes. Let me touch on one thing. And this not, this is not true necessarily of all top athletes. I think it's actually funny enough true of me and you because We've actually had a laugh or two during these shows and even in the pre-show where we're joking each other's shade and laughing their fucking heads off and then coming on and doing the show, right? So, you know, because we get on well and, and we like to joke around and that makes things that are serious not so serious, right? So something we've seen with Andrew is that he's occasionally goofed around. Right? So what is this? What, why is this a thing? I can tell you for why, right? First off, because we know he's serious when he works out. We've seen him. That shoulder workout that Steve talks about was fucking balls to the walls, hardcore, both of them in pain, both of them pushing each other. Same thing when he's trained occasionally with uh, Larry. You've seen proper, proper intensity and focus, and they're not having a good time when they're hitting the weights. They're not having a good time when they're moving the weight from A to B. They're not having a good time when they're squeezing down with a contraction. But what you are seeing sometimes between sets, and certainly when you're together with other professional bodybuilders, is they're relaxed, they're goofing around, they're having fun, but when it comes time to be serious, 
they were kicking ass. Now, why is this a thing? As I said just now, catabolism, Steve. If you are training super hard, super intense, contracting, squeezing, doing every single damn thing you possibly can to get the most out of your training, that's catabolic. Now, and obviously anabolic steroids help you recover. The, the time off from training helps you recover. Proper nutrition helps you recover. What could also be catabolic, and Steve's a big one for this, is not sleeping enough. And here's another thing. If you are stressed, if you take life super seriously, and I'm sure we've all done this. I know I have. I know Steve has. It's actually catabolic. It's actually going to have an effect, small effect, but something that you're looking for an edge on when you want to be Mr. Olympia, when you want to be on that stage in the top three, the top five, is you're looking for an edge all the time. You need to switch off. You need to work real hard on your recovery. As an example, I'm thinking, funny enough, of Ronnie Coleman against Steve and to a lesser degree, Arnold Schwarzenegger. So Ronnie, on one of his videos, when he was getting ready, you know, the, the battle for the Olympia videos back in the day, they went with Ronnie to the pedicure. He had a manicure and a pedicure, and they've got him in the chair. And you've got this 300-pound black bodybuilder the size of a fucking house, veins everywhere, looking like Mr. Olympia there in his shorts and a T-shirt. And someone's doing a pedicure and someone's doing a, a, a manicure and he's asleep. He's literally switched off. He's come to the gym. He's had a hell of a workout. He's showered. He's had something to eat and he's having a mania and a pedi. And he's, he's gone. He's away with the fairies. He's literally sleep in the chair, completely relaxed. And this is, this is super, super important. So with Andrew, we've seen that. Andrew would joke around. Andrew would be relaxed. And that is part of the reason how he recovers. It's actually a big thing. I do this. I think the thing I was thinking of with um, Arnold was he would do it in the gym. He would jerk the chain. He'd have a joke. But when it was his turn to work out, boom, head on, head in the game, focus. And this is what we're seeing with Andrew, I think, Steve. And this is the reason why not just genetically, physically, with the attributes that God gave to him, but just also because of his mindset. When it's time to train, trying to kick ass, I'm there, I'm there, I'm there. The, the green light is showing, I'm going. But in between, when it, when you're out of the gym, life, when you're out with your buddies, especially when you're out with your bodybuilding buddies, jerking around, having a joke, laughing at the camera, being relaxed, chilled, etc. This is super, super important. I think the fit that I've been around some strength athletes, arguably the strongest men in the world, Steve, and uh, I can think of two or three of the biggest. A great example of this even now is Eddie Hall and Brian Shaw, Steve. 360-something pounds, 400-something-odd pounds, goofing around like idiots on camera. But they're super, super serious with their businesses, still super serious with their training. Uh, Brian is still competing. But outside, when they meet each other, just fucking around like a, two big, big, fat, ugly kids. But doing their shit and relaxed, and they relax each other. They laugh. They, they, they're playing around. And that's super important. And this is something we've seen with Andrew outside the gym relaxed and that helps you grow it helps you recover so yeah let's talk about his nutrition as well steve on you oh yep yep let's get into that buddy um listen at the end of the day what the the one of the fascinating things about andrew is he has a lot of food intolerances but what i like about him is unlike so many other people he actually 
learns what foods bother him and which foods don't. And I, I love that. I, that's one of the things I respect about him. If you ever go and use a public bathroom, which I, I try to avoid, especially since the pandemic, <laughs> I mean, people are dirty. Go to a sporting event, right? And you walk into the bathroom, you got someone on the toilet for like 20 minutes. Or you got someone on the toilet, they get, di- you know, diarrhea everywhere. I mean, it's just like, what is wrong with people? You know, <clears throat> you cannot like you cannot have these types of problems and not change what you're putting in your body. But people now, nowadays, they just go and they get gas X and they get all kinds of, and they they get Pepto-Bismol and they get all these things for their stomach that they need to take. You shouldn't need to take any of that stuff, guys. You shouldn't, you shouldn't. Because if something is not agreeing with you, you need to just eliminate it. It's called an elimination diet. And for me, you know, I don't react well to certain things. Tomato sauce, for example, it bothers my stomach. It gives me heartburn. It gives me, you know, it, it, it gives me diarrhea. It gives me issues with my gut. So I avoid it. It's very, it's very acidy in the stomach. Garlic and onions, they're very high FODMAP in your body. They throw bacteria levels off in your in your gut or whatnot. I, I'm very intolerant to it. So I avoid them. You know, so it's very important to learn what things bother your stomach and learn to avoid them. And this way you can have a comfortable stomach. What is the point of eating something, then going and working out, and the whole time you're working out, your stomach is bothering you and you're trying to digest it? Doesn't make any sense. So this is one of the things I respect about him. And He's very smart when it comes to how he eats. He only eats three or four meals a day. He doesn't follow the Rich Piana 10 meal a day bullshit, which is a, a lot of pressure on your gut. You're basically making your gut work 10 times a day to digest food. Why would you do that to itself? It's better to compress your meals into three or four meals throughout the day. And that's what he does. And this is really the way our bodies are designed. We're not grazers. All right, we're not cows, we're not sheep, we're not goats who go and graze on 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 food throughout the day. So he realized that, and it helps him stay energetic. It helps him uh, stay on top of things. And he also, when it comes to his diet, he consumes easy to digest foods: oatmeal, chicken, rice, broccoli, eggs. He might get one protein shake a day, maybe, okay? Usually he doesn't consume very many protein shakes. I don't consume any protein shakes myself at all. And I know Mobster, he drinks protein shakes, but the protein shakes he drinks are very minimally processed and have very, very few ingredients. Doesn't have all this other crap in it, the sucralose, the dyes, the sweeteners, all this other garbage that you see in protein yeah. shakes. So yeah, he, know, he learned... He learned yep. what one's supposed to do. Go ahead, and I'll uh, try. Only after training, Steve. One shake after training. I think I double up on leg days. Uh, today was a scoop and a half, so about sixty grams powder, fifty something grams of protein, and there's nothing in there except the emulsifier that came with the product. There is no coloring, no flavoring, no sweeteners, uh, nothing. Literally, I buy twenty kilos at a time, guys. So it's minimally processed. No additives, no extra thickness, nothing else has been added whatsoever. In, does a job, that's it. And I only take that on training days. Otherwise, as much as possible, like Steve says, if something, I'm an older motherfucker. 
So there are foods I used to be able to eat. Chocolate, I can't eat that now. I can't do spicy and I could barely do spicy when I was younger. I, if I have certain foods uh, that are too peppery, it can upset my stomach. So like Steve says, I'm aware of what I can eat and do well with and whatnot. If, if I fuck up and I fuck up, guys, then I've only got myself to blame if I'm doing what he said and sitting on the toilet. So here's the thing. Andrew is a top professional bodybuilder. So it's super, super important not to fuck up. Even if, for example, he did something stupid like me with the chocolate, what happens? You get inflammation. So that means if you're a super lean bodybuilder, you might start to hold a bit of water. You don't want to be fucking up like that before competition. How many times have we seen top professional bodybuilders? I think they were competing in Vegas. That seemed to ring a bell most times, Steve. And they would end up fucking up in some way, which was sometimes we know this was a drug-related thing. They missed their peak. They mucked up on diuretics. They changed something at the last minute they shouldn't have done. But equally, because they were getting their food from a different shop or a different place, and it was processed differently, hadn't been looked after properly, and so on and so forth. And so they have some, as I would say here in the UK, dodgy fish or dodgy chicken, and boom. There they are, the, the night before the biggest competition, the event of the year for top professional athletes, Sadie Arnold or the Olympia, and your stomach's in bits. You're holding water. Uh, you're not keeping food down. This is not where you want to be. So if you're aware, and like Steve says, using that food map, if you're aware that there are certain foods you can eat and can't eat, and in his case, Andrew, it seems to me, Steve has to eat clean all the time. A cheat meal would consist of more of the food that you're eating normally. So more rice, more chicken breast, more broccoli. Rather than going out and hitting the pizzas, rather than going out and having a place that's piling the sauces on, and you've got no idea what's in there, monosodium, glutamate, way too much sodium, whatever. All these different things. No, he's realised that there are some food allergies he has. These are foods he has to avoid, which he does. And how do we know that? Because he's kicking ass, Steve. Because he's looking better from competition to competition. Because he's getting great advice. And because he knows, I can't eat these things. Steve said the same. I actually know a neighbour, Steve, in my street, I believe he passed away not that long ago, where uh, rumour had it the ambulance was coming in for him, the paramedics, four times a year because he was eating the same goddamn fried breakfast he'd been having for years, which he likes. It's a fried breakfast. I like bacon. I like sausages. Every single goddamn day, Steve. But he was of an age where he absolutely shouldn't have been doing those things. And he was putting himself into hospital four times a year and just ignoring the doctors. So like Steve says, I, I we all do stupid stuff from time to time, but Andrew needs, and we can see that he's doing this, to be on point as much as possible 24-7 and to avoid, absolutely avoid, any of the foods that he can't stomach. He might love the taste. He might, oh, it's amazing how it feels when it's going down. Boom, the next day you're smooth. The next day your veins ain't popping. You're in a gym, you've got no energy. And it's six weeks to go to the biggest competition of your career. You don't do that. You shouldn't do that. And I don't think Andrew's doing that, Steve. I think he's doing exactly what needs to be done at this point in his career. And that's the reason why we're seeing the kind of improvements that we're seeing. And that's the reason why he's able to bring it at his height on stage and catching the eye of ex-Mr. Olympic competitors who think Andrew may well be up there with them, with the crown in his grasp, kicking ass. What about the rest of it, Steve? 
Yeah, so let me touch on a little bit of the cheat meal thing because he talks about it in the video and he explained it very, very beautifully. I actually like the way he explained it. I've been saying this to people. Um, when it comes to cheat meal, look, whenever you do your cheat meal, let's say you do, I'm going to do a cheat meal every Sunday. I'm going to have a pizza and an ice cream and all this crap, right? <clears throat> low quality stuff, you know, the low quality Walmart style ice cream um, or or Dairy Queen ice cream or something like that. All you're doing is resetting that craving more and more and more when you do that. So it's just like any addiction. You're addicted to that food, right? So when you get it once a week, you're never going to shake off that addiction. It's like a heroin addict and telling a heroin addict or telling an alcoholic, it's okay to have a drink once a week. Oh, go ahead. Enjoy yourself. Go have a drink once a week. Oh, go have a hit of heroin once a week. It's okay. Look, you're never going to conquer that addiction, okay? So that's just why people who were previously alcoholics who have conquered that addiction, I love to hear that for those of you who have, right? I have a lot of respect for people who have because I know it's a hard addiction to get rid of. You don't see those people go back and have a drink every weekend or a couple times a, a month or something like that. They don't. They completely abstain from it. And that's what you have to do when it comes to junk food. Now, you know, when it comes to pizza or it comes to ice cream, there's different options. Avocado ice cream. I, I consume avocado ice cream here and there. It's got really, really good ingredients. And I know Mobster makes his own ice cream. It's got good ingredients. It does have sugar, yep. but it's better yep. than the shit he would buy from the store. Pizza. Oh, make no, your no, own pizza at home with cauliflower crust. You can do that. You can make your own pizza at home with, with cauliflower crust or an almond uh, uh, flour crust or something like that or a coconut flour crust it's possible I've done it before but I mean just buying you know the crappy ice cream or the crappy pizza or the crappy foods it's going to have an issue so you if you don't want to trigger those cravings you have to avoid it completely same thing with a porn addiction you can't just go watch porn once a week if you're a porn addict or a sex addict you can't go be having sex with you know uh, you know hood rats once a week, you know, you're not going to be able to do it. You've got to completely abstain from it. You know, that's how you're going to conquer any type of addiction. So I love the way he says it and he explains it in his video. And um, look, at the end of the day, his social media, 700,000 followers, mobster. He'll have a million before you know it. So he's got a huge following. With that, he can definitely do a lot of sponsorships. And one of the sponsors he does work with is bsn supplements i don't know much about their supplement line so i'm not going to comment but you guys can go uh check his uh, page out and learn more about it but i love his instagram and youtube channel it's a lot of fun he uh he definitely um loves life and it's really really cool to see so we'll have to see what happens in the future so mobster touch on that uh, really quick and then we got to get into a steroid cycle because that's the fun part BSN back in the day, guys, was the one that I think was a Ronnie Coleman's a sponsor. In fact, I've got some old magazines that just came this week and they've got a Train Like a Freak t-shirt on Ronnie looking absolutely crazy, Steve. Probably his peak. And BSN at that particular time and and, and and in the era was one of the biggest, if not the biggest at that time, bodybuilding supplement companies. They're still pretty big now, although I suspect they've diversified and gone into other markets like CrossFit, etc., so like him, and I think of another athlete that's just been signed by MuscleTech, uh, which I think is actually the next video that we're doing because he was originally with Redcon 1. He's now with MuscleTech. We should name him in the next video podcast that we do. 
th th these are big names and big numbers. And I suspect, again, we're talking about some decent cash here. Again, minimum six figures here. What does that mean? It means that the company can see a great future for this athlete, Andrew. Uh, typically, they'll do a thing where they'll give him the six figures and then he's sometimes, this is an example, Steve, they will eke equal the prize money you win in competition or they'll give you the same amount of money they've given this year, say six figure, $100,000. You'll get that as a bonus for winning the competition because what benefits you as an athlete benefits them as a company. So that's how that works. It also means that you can relax. You don't have to worry about bills. You don't have to do too many shows or seminars. You don't have to go to too many gym openings or whatever else. What you can do is go to the gym, kick ass, bills are paid, and just get as good as you possibly can be. And that is a big and important part of a major, major sponsorship. Like I say, I think BSN might not be there now, but they certainly were back in the day, Steve. And they had eight-time Mr. O, uh, Ronnie Coleman, at one point on their books, uh, arguably when Ronnie was at his absolute best. So that's a big part, important part of being sponsored, not just whatever money you can make through Instagram, selling photographs or diet programs or whatever. And I don't think Andrew even does that, Steve, but because some do. But literally, it's a, a another box ticked, another thing you don't have to worry about. And that is super, super important. Let's talk about the juicy, the meat and potatoes, the reason why our listeners come to this podcast. Let's talk about what we think Andrew might be running now in order to take things to the next level, Steve. Yeah, so I wasn't able to find very much stuff about where he talks about steroid use. Um, so, you know, we'll go into educated guesses as to what someone like him would be using to have that kind of physique. So, you know, look, Dubai gyms. I actually looked into the laws in the United Arab Emirates on anabolic steroids. I thought they were legal there. I thought, you know, they were very widely acceptable, but uh, widely available. But I was surprised they aren't, mobster. But we know that the gyms there are overflowing with anabolic steroids. I mean, it's it's especially those two gyms that we um, mentioned earlier. Absolutely, Steve. Yeah. Absolutely. Do you know what I think it is, Steve? And I think this applies arguably to America and to a lesser degree here in the UK. I think if you're supported within your community, uh, yeah. we one of the things that you and I are recording in the not-too-distant future are going to refer to the ancient Olympic Games and whole towns would support you. Your city would support you. So here's what I think happens. If you bring something to the community positive, if your athletes, the people that use your gym, are respectful, if in all other ways they are obeying every single local law, they talk to women a certain way, they park, they don't make noise when they come out of the gym, they don't break any other laws, and you are representing the country, the region, even if you just train in the gym in that particular area and the nature of the relationship with the gym, et cetera, for whatever reason, and it's happened for, for uh, since the 50s, never mind recently, but more so now. That's they, they, they won't, I won't say turn a blind eye because I don't want to infer that they're ignoring this, but ultimately that's what it amounts to. Uh, so whether you're going to a pharmacist, whether you're getting prescribed for a doctor legally, as opposed to just getting hold of drugs and, that doctor, somewhat mysteriously, as Steve kind of infers, and I agree again, Steve, has every single anabolic drug you can think of, access to all the peptides, access to all the psalms, and they're just down the street from the gym. 
what the hell? How did that happen, Steve? God only knows. Why are we not getting any problems? Because the guys are going there. What are they doing, Steve? They're training their asses off and they're chilling. They're not out causing ructions. They're not out at the clubs. <laughs> Literally, a lot of monks, Steve. Some of them train at the gym and then go to their apartments. That's it. That's all they're doing. They've actually talked about this. I can think of a couple of athletes. That's exactly what they were doing. They would literally hit the gym, hit the meal prep, hit the PlayStation, go on social media. They wasn't out partying. They're not on the beach. They're not getting into trouble. They're not doing anything else. And none of this stuff is out in public. But as to accessibility, 100% agree. It, it is pretty much known, as we like, and I say that euphemistically, that they have uh, as much accessibility there as any other place on the planet to every single possible thing that they could need. And they've managed to stay out of trouble while doing so. That's fantastic. And from an, uh, uh, certainly from a professional bodybuilder's point of view, living the dream. The biggest problem, Steve, and I don't know if this applies to Andrew because he's been living that for years, not just been visiting, is that uh, as an example, some uh, another Mr. Olympia, you are away from your family for months. When you're talking to your kids on social media, on, on, on live messenger videos and whatever else, you are not at home. Your, your wife is having to sort the bills out and all this kind of stuff. So there's a monk-like aspect to it, but that's how you get to be the top, top professional in your chosen field, specifically bodybuilding, as per this example, in the world. I think Andrew's not quite taking it to that level in the past because he was living there, he was working, he hooked up. These were things he was already doing. He's not going over there for three, four months of the year and prepping for the Olympia. He was already living there. But does he have the similar access? I think so. I think so. So we can definitely talk about something like that. I think something else, and I'll say something that we said in the previous show that we've not long recorded. His genetic advantage, Nigerian uh, genetic advantage, the athletic advantage he's already got as a specific individual himself. I think it's one of those things where your response to drugs and training is, of course, enhanced because of your genetics. But again, he may well have, and I'm taking a guess here again, guys, stayed away from the harsher anabolics for as long as possible and still looked fucking unreal compared to the average Joe. We can see that from early videos just with Larry and the reason why Larry and him hooked up. You've got an amazing physique. We should do videos together. That's how that works. And that's exactly what happened. Can we say, Steve, for example, and I'll do this one, that he, he, he's using trend now? I would say so. And as a guess, and this is not atypical for a, an athlete of his level, potentially, arguably, as high as 1,250 milligrams a week. A, a trend is the, the magic drug that for as long as possible, guys, and this would be the advice for our listeners, stay away from it. For as long as you possibly can, do not. It's like having a car and just getting the world's biggest turbo on it as quickly as you possibly can. You're going to blow that engine up. You're not ready. So we advise you to go off and do other things and come back to it and get ready in that particular way. So I suspect, Steve, that Andrew has avoided it for as long as possible. And only now, even if he wasn't avoiding it, taking it to competition winning, Olympia winning levels. Now, that said, what do you think else he might be taking and using, Steve? Yeah, so let's take a look at it here. So, um, yeah, with the trend, you know, to trend ace, um, it allows the flexibility to be able to start and stop it um, a lot better than the trend anything. So let's say he wanted to lower the dose or or up the dose. The trend ace has a much shorter half-life 
where you can kind of adjust things, um, you know, as you go along. So he'd be working with a coach who'd want to maybe adjust the trend down. If he says, you know, uh, maybe my side effects are too high, let's adjust the trend down. Or he might be working with a coach who says, you know, it's time to up the trend a little bit or time to cut the trend off completely. Trend A will be out of your system in a week and a half. Trend E will be out of your system in four, four, four weeks, maybe in five weeks because of the, the longer half-life once it peaks in your system. Another thing, test prop, 600 milligrams. Um, again, this one, you want to be flexible. This is why they use shorter esters. You see this with pro bodybuilders. They rather go with the shorter esters. It's a lot more injecting, uh, more often injecting because you have to inject them more often. Test prop, you're going to have to inject it every other day or even every day, you know? But here's the thing. You get that flexibility to be able to start and stop it. Another one is the Masteron probe. Masteron is a great hardener mobster. It's a DHT derivative, just a pure DHT derivative. One of the best steroids out there for hardening, maybe the best steroid. And it's an absolute must if you're a professional bodybuilder to get that. Equipoise, 1,200 milligrams. A lot of guys we know are using a lot of Equipoise, a lot of professionals. It's a great steroid because it's mild and it does a lot in the body to help you. Uh, in terms of lean muscle mass, strength, energy, and endurance, it does a lot of good things in the body uh, to, to really bring that home. So, Mobster, do you want to go over uh, a couple more that you think that uh, he might be using? Sure. Uh, it's all about Winstro, 125 milligrams a day, Steve. Anavar, 100 milligrams, typical user, our listeners. Normally great around 50 milligrams a day. But again, we're talking about competition stacks here, guys, and top, top level genetics. So your ability to respond to and manage the side effects should be better than most. That's not always the case, but it should be. 15 IUs a day of HGH. Again, that would be more than we might recommend for the typical listener, typical user. But again, you're manipulating this with food at the same time with regards to insulin. Steve talks about his short and long-acting insulin. Some professional bodybuilders using crazy high levels and timing them around their meals. And again, I'll touch on this as well, Steve. Um, I know people that have used insulin and HGH, and I'm talking about normal genetics, even with some muscle tissue, and they're fatter after. Whereas the genetic freaks, like Andrew, will respond well. So they'll actually get bigger and more muscular and if everything else is on point and their diet's on point, they're actually become leaner. Most users don't necessarily get that. And especially if they use pro-level amounts of HGH and pro-level amounts of insulin. And then something else, Steve, and this is definitely something that's going to help polish the physique. It helps people straightforward. The normal people, the average Joe, man and women, will lose weight and get leaner on this, especially if their diet and their cardio is on point. But again, we're talking about someone like Andrew who wants to win competitions, who might potentially, arguably, have the potential to win the Mr. Olympia. So as a suggestion, and we think this is atypical, again, of someone at his level, that would be 140 micrograms a day of clenbuterol. So again, let me make sure that I hammer this point home, guys, because I think it's super important. First off, the average person, men and women, especially men, in this particular stacks example, if I took it, if Steve took it, we don't turn into Andrew Jack. We don't. As big as I am, as muscular as Steve is, we do not become mystery Olympia level physiques because we use a mystery level physique level amounts of PUDs. 
It's fun to talk about. It's fun to discuss. But it, the reason why they do so, so well is they have amazing genetics before. You've got to remember, Andrew was kind of asked to be a bodybuilder, challenged to compete. It wasn't something on his radar. And now what is he doing? Literally, has he's got better from what he was before. He's taken up a level. He's filled in his gaps. His response to PEDs will be better than mine and Steve's. It will be better to the majority of our listeners. Some of you can take high level and see a difference. Others, especially with regard. Yeah, so his response to, to PEDs will be better than most. So it's super, super important. But has he changed his cycle? Has he changed his stack? Yes, I think so, Steve. Uh, you take things up a level, you learn as you go along. Again, something, for example, with this, and even if he was the listener, a great responder to PEDs, Andrew and other professional bodybuilders, they don't jump in from normal levels to professional levels of PEDs, boom, straight away. You need to know, especially if you're competing, Steve, you need to know that you're not going to hold water. You need to know that you're not going to be inflamed. You need to know that you respond well to that particular drug. Now, something that we have covered in these shows, which is super important, is we got a pretty good idea at this point in time with accessibility to information that we've never had in history before, especially when it comes to PEDs, of what works for the majority of people. Say, for example, Steve, he could put, he might well have started Trent when he started using Trent, if he started using Trent at 300 milligrams a week and got great results from it. So if I've got great results, will I get better results if I up it? This is how it works. This is why you should work with someone who's super experienced when it comes to PEDs, a prep guru, someone who's got people into shape for competition. So you start to have these conversations. And this is also, and I think this is where we've been up with, with Andrew at the beginning, when you start to have those conversations with other winners who are not competing anymore that can talk to you and give you bits of advice, whether it's things about keeping your skin looking good, whether it's about picking the right kind of tan to use, whether it's about changing your foot position, proposing. It's why you quite often see people in a room where these guys are posing, giving snippets or whatever else, giving different eyes, different views, different angles. It's why most posing rooms have mirrors so you can see what's going to be behind you and to your side. And you want to work with someone like that, whether it's Milos or whoever out there, giving you that kind of advice that's just giving you the edge, the right thing to fill you out, how to manipulate your water without using diuretics. And then if you do bring diuretics in to get their last little percentage of water out, all of these kind of things that give you that great advantage, but above and beyond their experience and your own personal experience. Because it, how many people we've talked about is like copy and paste diets and copy and paste uh, PD cycles, you can't do that. It's the reason why we encourage our listeners, especially the members of the forum, to run a log, for example, because we say, listen, we can give you this kind of copy and paste type information. This is what works for most people. However, we've just seen a photograph of you. Masteron's not going to do You're too fat. Or you're, you're super ripped, super lean, super vascular, but you're vastly underweight. You need to up your protein, you need to up your carbs, this kind of stuff. And this, and, and trust me on this, even professional bodybuilders can take that kind of advice. They need to know it's how, Steve, you and I can say this for ourselves. We're reasonably analytical for ourselves. That's the reason we've been able to have some success in our own chosen ways of running this sport. Mine and grip, yours and just being muscular, Staying ripped all year round, etc. These kind of things. You're reasonably analytical. You're big on fasting, for example, and you know that works, and especially works for you. And we've learned that. I know what works for me. What I can do in a gym to get strong. I know those things. That's how I've been able to kick ass in competition. Andrew, funny enough, 
is younger than us and less experienced than us. And that's just the truth right now. So he can pick the brains of those with more experience, more knowledge, and at the same time, start to learn more about himself. This applies to the listeners, it applies to Andrew, and it applies to me and Steve. So that's super, super important. Last thought, Steve, before we finish. Yeah, and at the end of the day, it's very, very important not to try to copy what these professionals are doing because it's just not going to work for you. You're going to get very sick. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cause you a lot of problems uh, to, to try to copy what they're doing. They have a ability to put their bodies through a lot more than the average show does. So obviously, you know, don't try to copy some of these uh, cycles that we're speculating to people, but keep in mind at this level, the listeners Olympic level to be that huge and that muscular and that lean and all this stuff that just the way they look and vascularity and the hardness and the dryness and everything, it takes an, an immense amount of chemical warfare and that's that's what it takes at that level so look bottom line at the end of the day we gotta see what andrew is gonna end up doing and um you know we'll we'll see it's gonna be really really stiff competition we have a a bunch of good good competitors coming i'll say great competitors coming and yep. um our series will continue mobster we we have another another one coming up as well from another yep. guy that is uh, trying to stick his net, neck through and trying to get a work his way up in the Mr. Olympia. So it'd be really, really fun to see the upcoming Mr. Olympia. So that's it, buddy. I think it was a great show. Definitely, yeah. I think that the athletes that we're going to discuss in these podcasts and the ones to follow, guys, are arguably top 10, maybe top five, top six material. And one or two may well be in that winner's circle, top one, top two, top three for sure. So... Let us know what you think. We want to see your comments. Do you think Andrew has a chance of winning the Mr. Olympia? If it's not this, is it next year? Let us know what you think on this podcast and give us your feedback. Please note, we are not doctors and opinions are ours. It's our view and based on our experience and views on the topic. Our podcasts are for informational purposes and entertainment only. The freedom of speech and the first amendment.